doing for the final out? Well, good morning. Good morning. It is so warming to our heart and to our guys' heart to have such much, uh, so much discussion, and and to see so many chair, chair, ooh, chairs filled. Um, there is just a something that happens right before Easter, and this is what's happening right now. If you guys look around, this room is just filled with the Holy Spirit, and I hope that you guys will rise right now and sing with us and sing a praise to our God because he wants to know that um, we are here to honor him and his great miracles. Amen. King of love and grace, my guardian, all my hopes and fears are in your hands. I'm in your hands. Where you go, I'll go. Show me the way. Every step I take, be now my Well 
John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen to that. Let's pray. Amen. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for uh, letting us know you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this body of believers. Uh, Lord, thank you for this, this country that we have the freedom uh, to loudly proclaim that we love you. Uh, Father, I ask you to allow us this time to put away our distractions, our worries. And God, it's all about you. Thank you for loving us. Jesus, and I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Hey, God is good, isn't he? God is good, beautiful afternoon, perfect day to be at church. I'm glad you're here. Hey, if you're watching online um, and you are at home, at home uh, you're missing a beautiful afternoon, but we're still glad you're watching with us. Uh, today, we have a few sickly folks, so we don't have our kids program, but just know that your kids are always welcome in here. Your noise doesn't bother anybody. They're, they're always welcome to be here. Otherwise, we came together to praise God, so let's do that. God, I'm running for your heart, I'm running for your heart, till I am a soul on fire. Till I am a soul on fire 
is something that should set your soul on fire. It says, 1 Thessalonians 4.14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. What a great hope we have. See you as the awesome God you are. 
Romans 8:11 And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you
song we've been working on for a little while um, most of you will know it and it is for everyone so the words will be up on the screen so sing along with
I say I'm fine, oh I'm fine, hey I'm fine, oh I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. You know it, I don't know why it's so hard to admit it. I'm being honest, it's the only way to fix it. There's no failure in the fall, there's no fear you don't already know. Let the truth. Those are some powerful lyrics, I tell you. Whew, thank you. Well, good morning, family. Hey, before we, we jump in, I, I know there's always a few. This is our Palm Sunday, and I know there's always a few that are very traditional. They really like their, their certain messages on certain time of the week, and I respect that. But we're not talk, talking about the Palm Sunday, so if, if you were really wanting that, I'm going to tell you with, with no attitude, no snarkiness, go home tonight, jump in, John chapter 12, verse 13 and following, Get in and dive in and, and get, your, uh, get your fix of the Palm Sunday passage. That way you don't feel like you're missing out. But we are not talking about that today. In fact, we are going to finish uh, Jesus doing his Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to skip ahead to one of our passages, one of the passages that I like. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Can you do the next slide up? Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to tell you, as you're turning there, I'm slightly, uh, I've got a lot of apprehension. See, last week... I mentioned very briefly that I something about apple pie and I liked apple pie and, and someone brought me an apple pie and it was very good and I'm really worried today oh, back up 
I went too far forward. Well, go back, go back, go back. We'll leave it there. This is what I'm worried about. See, we're going to talk about eyeballs a lot today, and I'm afraid one of you is going to get a sense of humor. That's called stargazy pie. Uh, apparently, the eyeballs of the fish are the, the delicacy, and so I'm going to tell you right now, if one of you thinks it's funny and to bring me a fish eye pie, I'm not eating it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not eating that. You can go forward. Go, go, go on one slide, and that's going to be our, our first point of our passage, but... We're going to talk a lot about, about eyes today, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and we're only going to read two passages, or two verses, but we're going to read them several times. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, let's, let's read it together. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? You know, I think before we, we really get into this, um, there's a few things we need to discuss. So first of all, if you are involved in any public education system right now, uh, they are being taught that 550 million years ago, the human eye evolved. So if you go to a school, you go to a public college, they're going to tell you right now, they'll tell your kids, they'll tell your grandkids, or they'll tell you if you're enrolled, that 550 million years ago, your eye formed now, let me, let me tell you this. Uh, a, few, a few months ago, I wanted water on my property, so me and the family got together, and we, we devised and, and built this huge system. So we, we have all these great big solar panels, and we, we dug the holes in the ground, and we sunk the pipes down, and we figured out how much power we need from the solar. And then we took, we had to figure out this way to hold hundreds of pounds of metal pipe and electrical cable and sink it in the ground 330 feet to get water and once it was done we turned the switch on and water pumps out and I'm super proud of all that work we did I would be really angry if one of you came over and said I did that I would be really cranky if one of you came to my place and said look at this solar well pump I put in I might smack you it would make me really cranky and I think about this and then I think Here's God, and I, I think the eyeball and the brain are the two most advanced organs in our body. Here's this eye, this, this feet, and someone said God didn't do that. And I think if I was God, I'd be really cranky. So before we go any further, we're going to brag about God. We're going to brag about God. And if you've heard some of these facts, awesome. If you haven't, you're going to learn something. Here's a few facts, more than a few, about what you have in your head right now. This is, this is unusual to me. The pupil of the eye expands to 45% larger when you look at someone you love. Sometime next week, someone's going to call me and say, my spouse's eyes didn't get bigger. I think we have problems. Each eye contains 107 million cells that are designed to respond to light. Of all of the muscles in the body, the most active muscle in your body is those that move the eye. The average lifespan, the eye sees 24 million different images. Your fingerprint has 40 unique features, but your eyeball has 256 that is unique to you and you alone. Each eye can process 36,000 bits of information per hour. Your eye can focus on 50 different things per second. The eyes heal really fast. In two days, a cut on your cornea can heal. You blink an average of 17 times a minute, 
14,000 times a day and 5 million times a year. Your eye, the lens of your eye is faster than any camera. Your eyes start to develop only two weeks after conception. There are two million different parts in your eye that make it active and work. Um, Studies have confirmed that people with severe depression will actually change the contrast of what they see. So when someone says the world feels kind of dark and dim right now, it's true. Your eyes are functioning different. Your eye cannot be transplanted. There are more than one million nerve fibers connecting your eyes to your brain that we are not able to connect yet. 80% of your memories in your head come from what you've seen. In a single second, it is possible to blink five times. And one of you right now is trying to see if you can beat that record. If your eye was a a camera, it would be a 576-megapixel camera. Your eye functions at 100% for extended periods of time without needing rest. Check this out, and this is true. Uh, Research has found men that wear ties have a higher risk of glaucoma, which is why, you know, medicinally, I can't wear a tie. (laughs) Your eyes close automatically to protect us from a danger that's coming towards you. About half of your brain is dedicated to doing nothing but like, handling the information it sees. The muscles in the eye are a hundred times stronger than they need to be. Why? Because God made it. See, we can't go any further in this passage without acknowledging the fact that when Jesus said, right here, the eye, he should say, my creation is the lamp of the body. So if your eye, which I created, is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye, which I, is, I created, is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. See, we can't go through this passage without bragging about God. And so people that are teaching 550 million years ago your eye evolved. I'm going to throw this out here, and some of you have heard this. The godfather of evolution, Charles Darwin, when he was discussing evolution, he even wrote this, and this is word for word for what he said, to suppose that the eye, with all its inimitable controversies for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection. This is what he said, seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. And then right after he said, it's absurd to think that the eye just showed up, he tries to go on and explain why he thinks it. But even the the founder of evolution that we study in schools said the eye is so complex, even I kind of understand it's absurd to say this, this showed up. See, this is such an incredible amount of God's handiwork. Eyes are mentioned over 500 times in Scripture. Save the best for last. In 1941, a vision scientist, his name was Selg Hecht, worked out on a clear, unobstructed view, your eye can detect a flicker of a candle 30 miles away. So if we get nothing out of this passage besides this, you have one of the most awesome creations of God in your body right now. If you tune out and you get on Facebook and, and Twitter, whatever else you do, or, or go shopping, if you get nothing else out of this passage, get this. If you're feeling blue, you're feeling kind of like everything's against you, 
All you have to do is look in a mirror and you have one of the most complex creations ever made and it's unique to you. No one else has your eye. No one else will ever have your eyes. You are walking around with the most advanced thing in your face and God gave it to you. So we can't look at this passage without taking just a little bit of time to brag about what God made. So now that you understand you are special, let's jump back in. Let's read it again. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you darkens, how great is that darkness? It brings us to the second part, and this is a very simple fact. What's on the inside comes out. I'm willing to bet that almost everyone in this room has uh, the very same perception of what an eye is that I do. And let, let me share you with what I perceive an eye is. I perceive, I man, there's a lot of eye jokes here. I, I gotta be careful. The puns are too strong. So what we perceive the eye as, imagine the eye here, we see rays of lights and colors going into it, right? That's how we perceive an eyeball. And then behind the eye, there's these little connections and it goes into the brain. We, we understand that light comes into the eye Different shades of light, different colors, different contrasts. It goes into the eye. Our, our eyes send that information to our brain. Our brain processes the different shades of color and light and, and brightnesses. And what we do is we formulate what we're seeing. And so I, I know we're all talking about almost the exact same thing because if you went to any school, your book probably looked the exact same way when you went to health class. There was a picture of an eyeball and it had these little connections and it went into the brain. And, and if you had a nice school that had good books, those little, those little lines connecting the eye to the brain would usually have little blue spots. And it was talking about the electrical signals going from eyes to the brain and it would discuss what you're, what you're seeing. So that's our perception of the eye. And when we look at this passage with our perception of the eye, this passage is really unusual. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. See, we don't think that way because we think of light going in. The problem is, is when Jesus spoke this word, they had a better understanding of what the eye is that we do. When we figured out how the eye works, it changes the way we think how the eye actually is. So we think the eye is just based on the way the eye works. The Greeks had it right. See, the dominant theory among them right then was that the eye was a lamp. They thought that the eye was almost like a sun and it was emitting rays or beams of objects that it was looking upon. Plato actually described the human eye as a type of fire. He said when the eye is functioning well, this fire within us is pure, and it flows through the eyes under the world. Empedesos is a philosopher, and he said the same thing. He regards the eyes as channels for this outward-flowing fire. The eye was regarded almost as a source of power. When you went back into ancient Egypt, Horus, the belief was that Horus, when his eyes had been thrown into the fire, thrown away by Seth, its parts were used to assemble the moon. The sun and the moon were considered to be the eyes of the heavens. They thought it was self-luminous. It's really neat when you, when you take this idea of things coming out of your eyes. There was an, a belief in the, in the Middle East and the Midwestern uh, cultures. I think so. It's called the active eye. Some people would call it the evil eye. See, they believed that things were coming out of their eyes I gotta make sure I got it right. They had the belief that certain individuals 
animals, demons, or gods had the power of injuring any object which with, with which their glance fell. Let me tell you what, how we understand this, what this meant to them. When you glare at someone, they actually believed that the glare was, was almost like uttering a curse at them. So when you gave someone the evil eye, you didn't have to say anything. What you were doing was wishing them harm. See, they had the right belief that things were coming out of our eyes. We have the belief that things go into our eyes. So our, our, our ideas here are a little different. And when we understand really what we're talking about, it changes it. See, they got, would get really upset if you glared at someone because what you were doing was you were looking at them in a negative light and they actually believe you can cause them harm. So when Jesus is talking about this, it's real easy to understand once you get that. When it says the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Why? Because what Jesus is saying is quite clear is what's on the inside comes out. There are very, very, very few people that have ever lived their entire life and were able to keep what was on the inside hidden. And what's interesting is even those who are very successful at hiding what's on the inside, God's going to see it when it comes time. But for the vast majority of us, what's on the inside comes out. What is inside our body will eventually come back out. And what's really ironic when we discuss this idea of eyes and what's on the inside coming out, diabetes is the number one cause of blindness of adults in the United Kingdom. Why? Because what's inside eventually comes out. A few of you might remember this. Do you remember several years ago um, when they started realizing that, that these teens that were drinking uh, really hard alcohol excessively started having vision problems? Do you guys remember that? And it made the national news, and they were trying to, they were trying to tell the kids not to not drink alcohol, but they were saying don't drink such strong alcohol because it was, it was damaging their eyes because these kids were putting something in their body, and it, what, when it was going out, it was damaging their eyes. And God's saying the exact same thing. Jesus is saying that. He's saying what's on the inside is going to come out. So if you're full of darkness on the inside, what's coming out of your eyes, these rays that the, the Greeks believed, it's going to be dark. What's on the inside has to come out. A few years ago, we had a, a running joke that we had a, a, me and my wife's very first Christmas, I, I believe it was our first Christmas, in our, our Christmas Eve dinner, we went to the fast food place and I got some french fries and I was getting ready. We sat down. It was Christmas Eve after the service, and I, I had my French fries, and they were still hot, so they're good, and they're not gross yet. We didn't have ketchup. I was really, really angry. And she kind of smiled at me, and I just, I just tore into her. And she looked really surprised. I, I wanted to say, surprise, you married me. Now you know what you got. But there's truth to that. See, what's on the inside does come out. I love, I love when Jesus looked at the Pharisees and called them a whitewashed tomb. That is one of my most entertaining passages of Scripture. How messed up is that? He looked at these religious leaders and said, you're pretty on the, on the outside, but you are ugly and dead on the inside. So all this means to us is, is you know, so many times we, we think that we can pretend to be something we're not and, and pretend that everything's all right like this song talks about. Or we can pretend that the sin we're struggling with, we don't struggle with it. But honestly, family, what's on the inside comes out eventually. 
It will eventually come out. And that's what, what Jesus is talking about. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if you want a bright lamp, good things in. You want a dark lamp, bad things in. Let's read it one more time, and you can close your scripture. Last time. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? This brings us to our last, our last point. How brightly do your lamps shine? Now this passage applies to everyone in this room except for me. Sorry. Because if, if I had to ask myself this question, which I have to when I, I, I work on a message, if, if I had to ask how brightly do my lamps shine, I would say, not very bright. I am definitely 100% a glass is half empty kind of fella. If you put a pie in front of me and you cut a slice of pie out for me to eat, I don't go, wow, thanks, that's good pie. I go, wow, I got one less slice of pie to eat. I, under, I understand it, I, I could see it, and I, I know that, that it's something that we have to work on. Because I, I wonder if, if we look at this passage, if, if it's way more simple than we want to make it to be. I think, I think Jesus is so simply put here saying, if you are full of good, it should come out. I think Jesus is saying, if, if you've got Jesus in you, you should have a positive attitude. And I know, I know everyone in this room, if, if we did an experiment where we just put an open mic right here, and I said, I, I want all of you to come up, especially if you don't, you're not afraid of talking in public, and and I want you to come up and I want you to tell me something bad. I bet everyone in this room could make a line and we could line up and you could tell a story about why you're angry. You could come up and get on the microphone and, and you could tell us a story about someone who did you wrong, someone who hurt you, someone you didn't think that would betray you did. You could probably line up and, and you could tell this congregation a, a story about how your dreams didn't work out, how the plans you made in your life had been failed, and you can probably point fingers as to who was to blame for your failed dreams. You could probably make a line and, and get on a microphone and, and tell the church why the pain you are suffering with is so insurmountable that you just can't see past it. You could probably line up and, and tell us about, about how you lost someone or something that was so near and dear and it's just it, it, you can't get past it we could, we could line up and, and you could tell us about your suffering something you're struggling with you could sit up here and, and tell us your heartbreaking sorrow you could line up and, and tell us the, the question you have you could say God in your word you said this but why in my life is it going like this and you could demand answers from God, and, and you can do that. And you, you know, honestly, family, this is what would happen. We would look at you and say, man, brother, sister, you're right. You had this, this, this happen. Man, I, can, I can't imagine what you're feeling. We would look at you, and we would pat you on the back, and we'd say, oh, I, I understand. I understand why you, you can leave this room, and you can be mean and angry and hurtful because of that. I, it would make sense. We would surround around you like a, a good church family. We would say, wow, 
I understand now why you're, you're, you're the way you are right now. A few days ago, I was loading a car on a trailer, and the car fell right off the trailer. And it wasn't the car falling off the trailer. The problem is my wife was in the car when the car fell off the trailer. And as the car fell off the trailer, she could have screamed at me and said, that was scary. My heart stopped. I think I might have went to the bathroom with my pants. I could have been injured. What is wrong with you? Why would you put me behind the wheel when that's going to happen? Or she can smile and say, brakes don't work. And I would smile and say, yep, brakes don't work. See, I wonder if we, if we look at this passage and, and we miss the simplicity of what Jesus is simply saying. When he's talking about let your light shine, I think he's talking about attitude. I think he's talking about the way you live your life. And see, I honestly believe that any one of us can stand up on stage and, and we could tell each other why our lamp is dim. And I believe every one of us would look at them with sympathy and say, wow, it is dim, you're right. Or, or, we could line up on stage and say, you know what, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. But that's right. Or we could line up and say, you know what, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. But it's only temporary. Or you could say, I hurt here, I hurt here, I hurt there. I don't want to get any older, it hurts. You can say, but that pain is only short-lived. See, I, I believe when, when Jesus is talking about this, this eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, saying if you have got Jesus inside of you, you are full of light. I think Jesus is saying so clearly here, First Christian Church, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Walk out of this room. Walk out of this building. Go in your day-to-day -day lives, your work, your families, wherever you go, your schools, and you let your light shine. Why? Not because of the bad things that's gotten you down. Not because something rough happened to you, but why? Because no matter what it is, we are not alone. No matter what we struggle with or, or what we hurt or the ups and downs in life, no matter what it is, and it might last till you take your, your last breath, but it is temporary. I've been in a hospital room where someone has taken their last breath and they're smiling. And you know the doctors will come in, they'll try to like, you know, they'll, they'll do the normal when the, the person passes away and they'll try to be respectful, cover the face. You can't hide that smile. Can't cover that smile. Why? Because it's there. They are going to let their light shine. I tell people all the time that you should be able to tell people you're a Christian without telling people you're a Christian. Someone should look at you and say, man, that person's glowing. Why? Jesus Christ. We always want to talk about that, that new pregnancy glow when the, the new mother's just got that healthy glow about her. That's what Christians should be like. People should look at us and say, wow, I don't know what they've got, but I want it. They should look at us and they should actually be surprised. They should look at Christians and say, wait, I thought your life was perfect. And we can smile and say, no way, brother. No way. But we have something better. As our band comes up to lead us in a song of decision, I'm going to tell you, if you have not made a decision to glow for God, today's the day. 
Hey, if you're watching online and you have not made a decision to, to give your life to Jesus Christ today is a day, hey, message us in the office. Our schedules are flexible. We'll work with you. We'll, we'll make something happen. Or maybe you, you, feel like, you feel like one of these Pharisees. You feel like you're pretty on the outside, but you are ugly on the inside. Hey, you want some prayers? Come on down. Hey, if you're watching online and you want some prayers, put that on your connection card. Uh, we see them. We pray about them. Uh, we understand it. If it's confidential, please mark it. Or maybe you're a baptized believer. You like First Christian Church. You want to be part of this family. Hey, come on down. We'll welcome you with open arms. But let's stand as we get ready to sing. Today? It's up to you. Yeah, they've got some other baptisms too. Do you want me to do it or can Rusty do it? Me? Okay. I must stay up here. No, no. You can't leave. Before okay. I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. took a breath, you praise your life for me. You have been so, so kind to me.
Little shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wrong you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't Hey, you can be seated. Hey, First Christian, I got a, a really easy riddle for you. You can help me out. Hey, what is better than one person getting baptized? Three people. Yes. Amen. Hey, so what, what we're going to do is uh, we follow Scripture. When Jesus asked Simon Peter, who do you believe I am? Simon said, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. So what we're going to do is we're going to go right down, right down the, the line here. And, and Andrew, if you believe, repeat after me. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen to that, brother. All right. Candy, if you believe, repeat after me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Michaela, you're last. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen to that. Let's go get baptized. Come on.
Christ was raised to life. Now we. 
coming this morning to be baptized. Baptism is an act of faith. In fact, it's the first act of faith that any person takes. Some people say, wait, wait a minute, isn't, isn't that work going down? No. What happens in baptism? My sins are taken away. What did I do to take away my sins? Nothing. God did that. I received the Holy Spirit. Oh, wait a minute. I, I can't drag him into my life. God has to put him there. It's the first act of faith. Even Jesus, when he left, talked to his disciples. That's us, Christians. He said, you want to make new disciples? Here's how you do it. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then you teach them all I have commanded you. We aren't required to teach anybody what baptism does. The Holy Spirit will help with that after they're baptized. So three are coming today. Let us rejoice.
Okay, it's been a while since I've been back in the second service. I guess we're doing the communion meditation right now. Okay. I hope I can get through the, the first part. table of the Lord always has held significance for me, but even more, the older I get. Back about a year or two before the turn of the century, a 16-year-old woman, young lady, made her way to Stockholm, got on a ship, and came to America. She never saw her family again. That was my grandma. Family was a, was a really important thing to me. When I was born, my grandfather actually passed away the year I was born. But my grandmother survived for about another seven or eight years. She wanted her family, her kids, to be close. She didn't want them to feel the, the, the break that she felt when she came to America. So once or twice a year, she would have a family supper. This was an important event. Probably about 30 people there. Like I said, I was very young, but I still kind of remember my female cousins would rotate a job as a part of this supper. And most of you here would not figure out what that is, maybe a few. She would preside at the kiddies' table. This was really much more of a formal get-together than, than what we do today. But at the kiddies' table, you learned how to be good guests in a dinner. You didn't throw your peas at Cousin Ted. You didn't tell... Cousin Joyce, that she was so ugly, no man would ever want to look at her. You learned how to be respectful, to answer a question when you were asked, in an inside voice, and keep your mouth shut the rest of the time. Somewhere around 12 or 13, you graduated to the adult table. That was an You know, as we come here to the table that Jesus has prepared for us, he talked to his disciples. He told them about the elements that he had put in there, the juice and the bread being his body that was broken and the blood that was shed for our sin. But he didn't say, remember my death. What did he say? He said, remember me. This table not only speaks of the penalty that Jesus paid for our sins so that we could be with him, but it also speaks about the time when we will be with him forever in the Father's house. There is a banquet there. We're all going to be there. Right now we're at the kiddies' table. One day <laughs> we will be in God's presence. Thanking him for all that he has done for us. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this.
memorial that we have. So often our, our minds can wander if we don't tie a string around our finger, we'll forget. But you've given us this memorial to keep remembering you day in and day out. May we always come to this table remembering you and the sacrifice that you made. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, if you have your, your bulletin, uh, we've got a couple announcements here. <clears throat> of course, our, our regular schedule events tonight, but there is not an elder preacher study, so we're not going to be here uh, for that. Otherwise, the normal things, Monday, Stitches of Love. We've got Bible studies on Wednesday. Al's Life Group is on Thursday. Sunshine Ladies on Saturday. Um, the Art of Marriage is being signed up back there. We have a video for that in just a, a little bit. And I'm going to get on my soapbox here and, and lecture just a hair, just a hair, so, so bear with me here. 
are, do we believe that we are an outreach church, that we are here to reach the lost? Do we believe that? Yes. All right, now here's, here's my miniature sermon for you. Easter and Christmas are the two most visited days in the church. And next Easter, next week, we've got this awesome Easter breakfast we're planning. And I'm going to tell you, First Christian, there will be people here that don't go to church. That means... It is our opportunity to show them who we are through our kindness and our love and our words. So this breakfast over here is an opportunity for us just to, to meet and hang out and let people know who we are that are going to be visiting churches, maybe for the only time during the year, maybe the first time. Maybe they, they just don't go to church very much, but this is our opportunity. So next week it's there. With that in mind, there is a sign-up sheet back there uh, to sign up and to bring food. Otherwise, we have some other things. Operation Christmas Child is accepting some donation for socks. Uh, spa Sister sign-up is going on back there. So there's a lot of good stuff. So let's, let's check out this video on the Mar art of marriage. I'm Chad, and we're from Little Rock. I thought it's been superb how all the different um, theologians, pastors, have all echoed one another, and uh, all the things that they've said come straight out of Scripture. But to flesh that out in real-life relationships, it's been neat to see the different examples uh, presented so creatively. So I've loved it. I've laughed. I've cried. I walk away and just say, you know, on a daily basis, does our marriage really tell the truth about God to a watching world? I sure pray that's the case for us. Well, I, I definitely sense an elevated responsibility of being the husband and being more than just a good husband, but uh, just raising the bar. And I, and I need to... I need to go for it. Well, it's to me being on video. I had this expectation that it would be kind of a, a lecture video. You mm -hmm. take your notes, you grab the high points, fill in the blanks, and it's much more than that. It's it's engaging. It's funny. It's, it's an experience. Yeah, it's, it's so much better than a class. It, it's it's truly. Uh, I, I feel it's a getaway. When we left last night, I kind of like. Well, we should be going to our hotel, <laughs> not home. Uh, Fresh. It's uh, challenging. It's good. It's very good. That's three words. That's fine. <laughs> hey, so that's going on. There's a sign-up sheet and information back in the, the corner back over here by the, the water fountain, so check it out. Um, otherwise, on the, on the back of your middle of your bulletin, you'll see our list of our praises and prayer concerns. If I can find it. Of course, Elika was baptized last week. That's a good praise. Woo! Um, And of course, we always, we always keep our special concerns in our prayers, uh, things going on around the world, things like that. It was nice to see a lot of our, our health concern individuals that were here first service, and maybe a few on the second. It was nice, too. Always keep our deployed troops in your prayers, our shut-ins, and I know I say it every time, but if you've got a minute to send a note or a card or a call or a visit to our shut-ins, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, but the outreach we're focusing on this month is the, the Wachuca Hospitality House. And, of course, we're going to be focusing on CareNet this month, too. So uh, what, we'll, what we'll do is we're going to stand up together. Uh, we'll just pray uh, quietly to yourselves, and then I'll close this with a prayer, and then everyone's going to leave here, and you're going to walk out this door, and you're going to shine. Let's stand together. Lord, thank you for loving us. Uh, God, it, we can't say it enough that we don't deserve it and we can't earn it, and it's certainly not justified for you to care about us, but you do, and thank you. 
Father, I thank you for these body of believers. I thank you for the decisions that were made. Lord, I ask you to help us as, as we're a community that love you to, to help push each other forward and love each other and, and gently correct each other. God, I ask you uh, to bless those who are hurting. Uh, help them feel better if, you, if it's your will. Father, for those who are struggling, we know that you know. I, I ask you for some guidance there. Father, as we leave this building, help us be the people that you want us to be. Uh, help us uh, interact with the people that need to hear about you. Uh, allow us to be courageous. Allow us to shine your love. Father, thank you for caring about us. Lord, I ask you to keep us safe as we, as we leave here to, to impact the world for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.